Good morning. I'm so honored to be here today with Patricia Schultz, the incredible author of so many books who's taken us so many places. Patricia, welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Lisa, thank you. We know each other for so many years. This is the first Zoom. <laughs> well, in Zoom land, it's better than no land at all. You and I have had to make a lot of COVID adjustments and there's been a lot more Zoom. Yeah. A lot but, more Zoom. In the beginning, I thought, no, I'm not doing Zoom. That'll go away. Little did I know. <laughs> We've all had to evolve and adapt. So tell us in this time of adapting, what inspired you for the new book? First of all, congratulations, your new book, Why We Travel. What inspired a new book of 100 Reasons? Well, in fact, it was very much prompted by the pandemic, which continues still, because um, we suddenly had a whole lot of time to step back and reflect. Uh, we weren't going any place except, in my case, you know, to the refrigerator, uh, back and forth. And speaking of, you know, the kitchen, a lot of people were baking Irish soda bread and you know, cleaning out their closets and, you know, organizing their shelves. And I took the moment to organize my thoughts because I realized that in all of the time I've been traveling and doing these books and updating and revisions and whatnot, 1000 places, you know, go here, go there, don't miss this, don't miss that, that people were always asking me, where are you going next? Where have you just come back from? But nobody had ever asked me why I traveled. It was always where and when. So there's this wonderful quote about once you understand the whys in life, then you can deal with everything else and everything else becomes, you know, comes more into focus. And so I just um, tried to kind of commit to paper um, why I felt and why I've always felt that travel is very important to us. And it was um, actually easier said than done. A um, hundred places really just, you know, is the tip of that iceberg, but it's because travel is such a very personal thing. And you ask a hundred different people why they travel, you get a hundred different answers. But oftentimes I find that the answers you get really, you know, echo back to one or two different things. And that is that um, travel makes us better people, travel opens our world, and travel is food for the soul. And then how you then interpret that can be done in a million different ways. But the book I think is coming out at a very auspicious time because these past few months have not been easy. There's been a pent up demand for travel that has created a perfect storm so that everybody in the world has you know, been off to the airport, grabbing their passports, wanting to make up for lost time. And it's really, you know, tested our metal. Do we really want to travel that much? And apparently, yeah, we do, because, uh, because the next many months and hopefully into next year, it's going to be the same quantity, the same numbers of people who are making up for lost time. There is a, obviously, like you said, I'm sure you've seen as I have some of the airports that are at capacity and just like every other industry, um, airports are suffering from missing staff either due to they don't have enough staff or staff are ill or you know staff can't get from one place to the other but I think you know it is interesting what you said about the hundred reasons 
Was there something that really surprised you when you were putting together this list? Just, you know, it kept coming back to me that travel is a journey and the journey without reflects the journey within. And that all of these aphorisms and encouragements and thoughts and comments and age old quotes, you know, really um, reflect as much about our life journey as it does, you know, grabbing your passport and off to Paris for the weekend. So it became much more philosophical and much more of a, as they say, deeper dive than I had originally thought. I always knew it would be very profound because travel is very, very much one big life lesson um, in the most beautiful and in the most exciting and in the most thrilling and fun way. It's not meant to be, you know, drudgery like, okay, here we go, another life lesson, but no, it's meant to bring us great joy and great pleasure. You know, it's what we do when we have those precious weeks or moments. Um, but I was um, pleasantly surprised when I realized that this was a book truly for everyone and for non-travelers, can you imagine, as well as the real deal. Because people don't travel not because they don't want to often, just because they're weighed down with circumstances and, you know, logistics and now boomers are caring for their parents as much as for their children, you know, the sandwich generation that's, you know, facing response. And then there's, you know, the money we've been in a pandemic and not everybody sailed through it easily and not everybody got those personal loans from the government that, you know, so we forget that people are challenged in many different ways as we come out of this very, very unprecedented, I mean, that word has been overused, this unprecedented period. And we find ourselves selves very much still in the, you know, the midst of it. So um, the book is colorful, it's bright, it's encouraging, it's beautiful, I think. Um, it's my, some of my favorite places, some of my all-time favorite quotations, aphorisms. I wasn't quite sure what that was when my editor said that it would be peppered with aphorisms, but, um, all of these, you know, pearls and these choice comments and these um, moments of inspiration that hopefully you find throughout. It's not many pages. It's not one of these big, you know, thousand places type books that I've always um, attacked in my past experience. Um, but it's rather a very beautiful, I think, gift book for oneself as well as for the person in your life who you maybe would like to see get off the couch a little bit more. <laughs> I agree with you. It's a very, very beautiful book. And it, it is interesting what you're saying that, you know, we have not all had the same experience in the pandemic. Um, one of my rabbis said, we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. Oh, for sure. That's beautiful. Yeah, and I think that you were talking about how do people experience travel and, and that it's an inner journey. And I remember someone talking about a, more, an aphorism or more of a story about, you know, you find what you look for. So if you go traveling and you expect to find the good in people, that's what you see. And if you expect to find a place that's, you know, hard to travel and the people aren't nice, you find that also. And I think that a lot of the inspiration in your book and the aphorisms are about finding the path 
I don't know, that's the higher path, but the path of well-intentioned travel. You know, that's interesting about finding what you look for. And, um, you know, one of the other um, encouragements is to, you know, get lost, turn off the GPS, you know, the path reveals itself. Put down the map, throw away the map, just wander. Serendipity will step in. It's always the best tour guide, I like to think. And um, I think that every trip be ever so humble to you know the state park down the road that's an hour from your home or you know the business trip to chicago that turns out to be you know some epiphany of oh my god who knew you know chicago is the second city it's the first city in my book so, um but every every trip brings you to another level and you are a little bit of every place you've been to and so you evolve and so you become a different person and everything stays with you in some manner or form, you know, be it superficially or profoundly. So that, you know, the more you, um, the more travel has meant to you in the past, the more it becomes almost a guaranteed um, value with every trip that comes because you approach each trip very differently with different appreciation and with different expectations. Um, and a different reality view of um, the world. And I mean, I saw trips that I took decades ago and then trips that I took yesterday. And I, I come back with a different insight, but you always come back with something. I mean, the worst imaginable trip is always worth its weight in gold. There's no such thing as a bad trip, right? It's always a great experience. It's always an invaluable experience. You know, a good trip is a wonderful trip. A bad trip is experience. Yes, we say in retrospect, <laughs> we, we say that, but um, I love this story in your book about your first trip out at the beach when you were four and your mom was searching for you, pulling out her hair. Where's my daughter? <laughs> she never let me forget it. And I don't know what, if it was her constantly reminding me, you know, like decades into my adult life or if I inherently remembered it, but it was very traumatic, not because I thought there was anything unusual about me wandering away, you know, down to the beach in Atlantic City that in my eyes just went on until forever. But um, it, was, it was traumatic because she kept reminding me that she thought, you know, they'd find me afloat somewhere, you know, face down miles away, my poor mother. But I wanted to explore, you know, it was the sand, the surf, the sea, and it, you know, it was a good time. It was, and I had enough of the family blanket and off I went. So yeah, that was my indication that um, being tethered to, you know, the family towel was just not where I wanted to be, but um there you go. And again, bring your kids and travel. You know, it doesn't need to be extravagant. You don't need to bring your kids to Fiji. We went to Atlantic City every August and I was, you know, the luckiest kid on the block. I still remember those vacations. I remember the family time. I remember the smells and the dive bombing seagulls. And I remember where we went for, you know, dinner. It was a special night out with my parents. I saw my father rarely. So it was, um, you know, travel, the impressions it makes upon us are indelible, whether you're four years old or 40 years old. And this idea that the kids are too young, they won't remember, I don't buy that. I think that's such good advice on both sides, that, that young children, 
it's a great education. My parents took us traveling and that's sort of some of my earliest memories. And my dad also, and my dad grew up in uh, Margate in Atlantic City. <laughs> but I, I often tell people that, you know, your backyard counts, you know, going outside or, you know, drive home from work a different route. You know, you can find stuff. It doesn't have to be a thousand dollar flight and an expensive hotel room. So I agree with you, you could find adventure again, you find what you're looking for. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it's all about one thing and it's curiosity. Because what happens to that curiosity that we have as kids? You know, what encouraged me to just wander off and go look and see and experience and explore? Where is that curiosity that over, you know, as you grow into your teens and college and post-college life and then Wall Street and the expectations of career advancement, what happens to that curiosity? And don't you want to stoke it and keep it alive and keep it active and keep it, you know, always forefront in your, in your character? Um, and whether travel does that or secures that or guarantees that or merely helps it along, I think it does because mm -hmm. there's so much to be curious about. There's no cure for it, you know, <laughs> thing you become curious as the decades go by. Um, you know, I, I always uh, see things that maybe the average person doesn't. And I don't know if I was born with that and will die with that or if it's after comes from a lifetime of travel. Hopefully both. That's a really good question. Where does curiosity come from? Where does it go? Also, also where does it go? Question. Yes, good point. So, uh, <laughs> if people are curious, um, is it possible? Do you host trips? Can people travel with you? Um, yeah, just call. <laughs> I used to plan a lot of. I used to host quite a number of trips. And as with um, everything with the pandemic, um, we put the kibosh on that. Okay. Uh, we did postpone one, the, the last one before things fell apart, um, was postponed and postponed and postponed again. And finally, it was the most recent one um, that was kind of post lockdown. I don't want to say post pandemic because it's still very much present tense, yeah. But um, was um, Romania and Bulgaria. And um, that was an eye opener because Romania is stunningly gorgeous and it's so much more than, than Dracula. But <laughs> Bulgaria also was a real eye opener. It was kind of, it was one of those who knew countries and they were the last two countries in Europe that I had to visit. I realized in Bucharest that oh yeah, I can check these off. And that became my 43rd and 44th European country that I visited. I'm not much of a country counter, but we have, we're sitting around the table comparing countries and <laughs> it seems to come up, so. It um, does. <laughs> yeah. But it follows the question, how many of these thousand places have you been to? And that's usually followed by how many countries have you been to? And that's usually I always hear the same questions. But uh, yeah, so now I've been to every country in Europe, and I guess I have to start all over again. Yes. So I know we've seen each other many times at the Travel and Adventure Show. Can people come find you? Will you be this year at the Travel and Adventure Shows? Well, where? Yeah, I hope people, um, we did a few of them last year as well. They resumed last year, and prior to that, they were virtual. Mm hmm for that 
limited period of time. So they're resuming this year and, you know, full speed ahead. And there are 10 or 12 of them across the US. So I hope people can make it to the closest one. I'm only doing a few this year because I'm in the middle of updating 1000 places and that is all time consuming. So that has me gone a lot, but it's going to be um, our 20th year. So we're doing a special edition. Yeah, I know I started when I was 11. So <laughs> So I am doing I am doing um, shows on the East Coast, Boston, New York, and DC. And <laughs> January, uh, February, and March, um, those three shows I think are predominantly January. But there's a website to see where all the different shows are: LA, San Francisco, Chicago, um, Dallas, etc. Well, thanks to you, I might be a speaker at this show in Los Angeles. I certainly hope so. That's a great show. That's one of the biggest shows, which means that there's the biggest attendance, but it also means that there's the widest variety of exhibitors. And that because, I mean, it's LA and you've got such a great airport, everybody's 10 minutes away from getting on a plane to go somewhere fantastic in the world. So exhibitors come from all over the world. I mean, you'll see Nepal, you'll see, you know, Rio de Janeiro represented, you'll see a lot of the U.S tour operators represented as well and there's food and music and it's exciting and just the vibe of it you know the energy of it will have you you know rush home and start planning again hopefully <laughs> so speaking of close to the airport is there an elusive destination that's still on your list that's the, the, the top of your list I'm sure you have a long list still but I do. And it always amazes me when people say, yeah, I had a handful of places on my bucket list. And I thought, really? A handful? That should be like in the triple digits. <laughs> but for some reason, I mean, I know what the reasons are, and they're not good reasons, but I've never been to New Zealand. Have you been to New Zealand? I have been to New Zealand. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard anything less than people just gushing upon the return, the people, the- The, the haka. The, what? The haka when they do the dance. Yeah. And the difference between the North and South and more sheep than there are people and the, just the physical beauty of it. Milford Sound, the national parks. Um, so I, I know I'll go there. I just don't know when. It's not all that close. It's it not all that close. One of the things I found most interesting about New Zealand was the difference in Australia, the way the Aborigines were treated, and in New Zealand, the way the Maori were treated. Because I was looking at how the people moved through the South Pacific and how the language changed. And I thought that was a striking difference, the way the indigenous people were treated. That's very, very interesting. And I've found with this update of a thousand places and doing um, the, um, the Australia chapter with two or three friends of mine who are uh, travel writers living in Australia and the number, the movement and the sensitivity and the recognition and the honoring of the original first people, first nations, Aborigines, the original owners, um, is really very impressive. Mm -hmm. The younger, the current generation, the government regulations that are switching names and ownership, returning ownership. To, so it's a slow but steady movement and it uh, seems to be picking up steam within the last years. Um, so it's, 
very impressive and way overdue and uh, very fascinating. So I, I hope to go to New Zealand and see it for myself as well. Well, I hope that you will. It's, I thought it was beautiful and, and you have to go sand surfing in the north. It was crazy fun. I loved it. I mean, I screamed the whole time, but it was <laughs> Um, and another thing that's in your book that I think is really important is you talk about the kindness of strangers and how, how people along the journey make such a difference. And do you think there's some way as travelers and, and as writers of travel that we can help encourage that more? I think just the fact that people are traveling more these days. Um, I think the more you travel, I don't think you travel more and more unless you've understood the inherent importance and nature of travel. I think if you're not a good travel, you give it a shot, you have a few trips, you know, what's the big deal? You stay home for the rest of your life. But the <laughs> more you travel and the more you travel, the more it opens you up to be more respectful and more curious. There you go again. Um, to explore more and to always go, you know, the extra mile. And I think the more you do, the more you meet people and the more you understand that at the end of the day, we have so much more in common than we do that sets us apart. And I think that, you know, people always say, what do you never travel without? Oh, uh -huh. They want to hear, you know, Ziploc bags, moisturizer, extra charger for my iPhone. But I always say um, respect and curiosity. And this realization that we are visitors in someone else's home. So consider that city or region or country or continent, whatever, someone else's home. Always realize that you're the interloper, you're the trespasser, you're just passing through. You know, do you want to be somebody's guest and put your feet up on the dining room table? I don't think so. So, and you always get in return what you put out. You know, you always reap what you sow. So be respectful. Um, be respectful, it doesn't take much, it's free. Nothing else is that free and that easy. Um, even if you were raised in a barn, as my father said, this inherent sense of respect should always be with you the minute you, actually not even the minute you arrive in this country, but the minute you leave your front door because it's just as important here in our backyard, in our home country, in our hometown. I think we need a bigger dose of respect in terms of what's happening in America and what's happening worldwide. So it never goes out of fashion and it's always appreciated. You know, whether there's a vocal response or a verbal response or whether it's just um, the impression of you, but also as ambassadors of America, it's the impression that people get of Americans in general when they walk away from having an exchange with us, whether it's a smile or a purchase or your Uber driver or a nice conversation in broken English, um, people will walk away with that memory and you want it to be of you and of how they see Americans to be and you want it to be a positive one um, for many reasons, but um, the idea of the ugly American won't go away, but I do think it's less, and I do think it's not as severe as it was in decades past. Well, you have been such a um, incredible ambassador for people to want to travel. Congratulations on 20 years. <laughs> 
thousand places to see before you die. And like you said, now you're only 31. Yes. When you're 11. It did turn my hair white though over the pandemic. But it's a lot, a lot of work. Do it. Huh? It's a lot of work. Yes. And there is that expression about find what you love to do in life and you'll never work a moment, which is totally untrue, but I do get this sentiment behind it because I've seen a lot of 5 a.m. deadlines submissions, but um, when you do what you love, then it takes on a very different um, satisfaction and gratification. So yeah, 20 years has gone by like nothing. Well, and I, I really appreciate what you said that so many people ask you, where are you going next? But now with this new book that launches this week, congratulations, Why We Travel, you're finally getting to answer the why, which I think for, may help a whole different group of people make the choice to go out and travel. Yeah, you don't need to look very far for the why. But you have to look, otherwise you just are on automatic pilot and you're booking your next trip and you're booking your next flight and you've got your next four vacations all planned. Around. But I think it's, you know, the moment during the pandemic, following the pandemic to kind of step back and reflect not just on travel, but on life and whatever you love to do, you need to do more of it because we saw there are no guarantees. And there's nothing promised to us. And whatever brings you joy, you need to really go out there and search for it and make it happen because um, you should fill your life with it. So I encourage people to travel as far as they can as well. Cause um, you know, this 90 year old woman I met in Machu Picchu, it was her first passport and it was her first stamp. They were celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary. And um, she said to me, she said, you know, dear, your knees have expiration dates. <laughs> you have to do the difficult places first. So that's another anecdote in the book because it's been many years since I met her and I walked away thinking I need to be her when I'm 70 or 60 or 95. Um, but she wanted something so much her entire life that she finally made it happen. Ideally, we do not wait until we're 90 to say that, but you're never too old and it's never too late. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's beautiful. So you're never too old, it's never too late. And where can people um, look for you and where can they buy the book? So the book is, I'm happy to say, I have the most wonderful publisher. The book is available everywhere. We do um, always support our independent bookstores, but it's available online at Amazon or Barnes and Noble, Books A Million. And um, where you can find me, because I'm going on book tour in a few days. So I'm seeing, um, I'm going to a number of different cities in the US and it's on my website, which is 1000places.com. Something about travel with Patricia or where to see Patricia, but it's all there. Okay. So you in Pasadena. Yes, I'm very excited to see you live in Pasadena at Romans. And I just wish you all the success with the new book. And I also want to say personally, thank you for all your support. Every time I've seen you, you've been so supportive of me and my travels and my book. And I, I really, really do appreciate that. So thank oh, you. Lisa, you're a kindred spirit. We're cut from the same cloth. <laughs> I know. Well, again, thank you and congratulations. And I think, like you said, this is such an auspicious time. It's going to be Rosh Hashanah. It's the new year. You have a new book and the 20th anniversary. And I just wish you 
all the success and to see you on the New York Times bestsellers list again. From your lips. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I look thank forward you. to seeing you soon. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. Ciao. Bye-bye.